In this episode, I want to share why my wife and I ruined the magic of Christmas for our kids. You're listening to Onward in the Faith with Ray Burns. Ray is dedicated to equipping Christians to understand why they believe what they believe so that they can keep moving onward in their faith toward maturity in Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, visit patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And make sure you visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. Now here's Ray with today's topic. In America, and I imagine in other parts of the world, Santa Claus has become kind of a classic part of childhood. You grow up being told that there is this being who will reward good behavior with gifts and punish bad behavior with coal. Children are told to be mindful of what they are doing because someone's always watching, and every year they look forward to this wonderful person giving them this you know, one magical day where they get to open gifts and be with family and things like that. Now, as kids get older, of course, we expect them to basically grow up. We want them to stop believing in something so clearly ridiculous as Santa Claus, and we would, you know, laugh and mock a 20-year-old adult who would still say that Santa Claus is real. Now, as followers of Christ, my wife and I, as I've explained, try to always think about the decisions we make as parents in the context of what kind of adults we are creating. We think about the worldview we are promoting and really the precedent that we are giving them as they grow up into a world and rely on us to teach them the difference between truth and falsehood. And so I know that Santa Claus is kind of a contentious topic in Christianity itself. Some people say, you know, oh, if you teach your kids Santa Claus, then you're just going to, you know, dust them for hell. And, you know, it, it's blasphemous and things like that. And other parents would say that, you know, Santa is harmless. And as I go into my four reasons why my wife and I don't do Santa Claus with our kids, no matter their age, I want to, of course, just preface this by saying that if you do Santa Claus with your kids, I have zero issues with you. I hope that you will at least listen to this and consider some of the the wisdom and the reasons for why we don't do it and make sure that at the very least you've kind of thought it through. But, you know, if, if you listen to this and at the end you say, no, we're still going to do Santa Claus, that's totally fine. I would not look down on you. I would not question your salvation or your love of God or even your love of your children. I, I realize that there are valid reasons that believers have for teaching their kids about Santa Claus, but... All I'm going to present are just some things that perhaps are worth considering, maybe things people haven't thought about, and at the end, I just want you to see another way you can apply my episode on the number one question my wife and I ask ourselves and see how that kind of plays out in something as kid-focused as Santa Claus during Christmas time. Now, the first reason why we don't do Santa Claus, and this for most Christians who don't do Santa Claus is probably the number one reason, and that is that, as I said at the beginning, kids are expected to grow up and stop believing in this good, benevolent, supernatural being that they only believed in because they were told to. And, you know, as you kind of think about that description, we can realize that what we teach about Santa and what we teach our kids about God can often be very similar things. They both give gifts. They are the reason that we want to do good or to behave. And they both have a kind of supernatural 
capability to do things that a normal human being could not do. Now, of course, God is all-encompassing in his supernatural capabilities, but, you know, Santa can mass-produce gifts. He can always know what we're doing. He can deliver gifts to millions of kids all around the world in a single night. And, you know, these things all defy what we understand for our own existence because we don't know what it's like to know what someone's doing at all times. We don't know how it is to be all good or to be able to be in all places either at once or within a rapid span of time. And so we tell our kids that, you know, this is possible. We tell our kids that, you know, there is a person who's always watching your behavior. They are waiting to reward or punish you when a certain time comes. We tell them that this being is able to be all places at once and to really just perform the impossible. You know, and of course, we tell our kids, you know, if you want something, tell this person about it. You know, make your request known to them so that they know what to give you. And you should, you know, to a degree, trust that if they think you deserve it, you will get it because they are capable of giving you anything. Now, as I describe that person, am I describing Santa or am I describing God? And in the mind of a child who is growing and trying to understand what is true, what is false, those two lines can become very blurred because with either case, what we're telling our kids is, look, I know it's hard to understand and you can't necessarily see a reason to believe this, but I'm telling you that it's true and so you should believe it. But then, again, as our kids grow older, we absolutely expect them and even tell them, look, it's time to grow up. You can't keep believing in a fairy tale. Okay, it was fun when you were young. It was a way to get you to behave. It was a way to get you excited and to believe in something bigger. But now it's time to grow up. Now it's time to think like an adult and stop believing in fairy tales and fantasies. And so, you know, as parents, we want them to think critically about things and say, okay, here's why Santa clearly can't exist. And, you know, at the same time, we want them to believe that God can exist, despite God also defying the natural world and the natural order of things as we understand them. And so what we tell kids is, look, you can't believe in Santa Claus because based on your experience, you know that he can't be real. Look at your friends. Your friends don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. Adults don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. You know, if you want to be a rational person, if you want to think like an adult, you've got to stop believing in Santa Claus. But they're also going to grow up in a world where their friends don't believe in God. Adults around them are going to say, don't believe in God. The, the world is going to say to them, look, it is irrational. It is fantasy to believe that the God of the Bible could possibly exist. And so that is where a lot of Christian parents my wife and I included, get concerned is that we are teaching them on one hand, look, you should believe this thing and you should love them and you should be excited about their existence. But then it comes a time where it's time to stop believing that. We don't want to teach them that about Santa Claus, but then try to say, oh no, but not God though. God is real. Even though we teach you to think about both people in kind of similar terms. And now, you know, if I, as I've discussed in my episode about why faith isn't blind. Obviously, there is a vast difference between belief in Santa Claus, who is basically only believed in because of tradition, and God, who we can look at and see why his existence is the only thing that makes sense. 
you know, I talked about why faith is not just believing something because you want to believe it, but how faith is, you know, the example I used was to sit down on a chair. You know, you don't sit down on a chair if you don't believe the chair is there or you believe the chair is unsafe. You evaluate the chair and then you exercise faith by resting in it. And so, no, God and Santa aren't the same in the fact that we want to manipulate our kids into believing God or we want to trick them. We want them to own their belief in God. We want them to be able to look at the created world, the natural order of things, you know, all this evidence that we have for God. We want them to see that and believe God based on truth. But as parents, we need to be very careful about setting a precedent for them believing something that then they need to grow out of. You know, we we don't want to teach them that a mark of maturity is to stop believing in this thing that the uneducated or the childish believe in, because that is exactly the picture that the world is going to paint of Christians. And I think that's going to be even more true as our kids grow up and their kids grow up into a world that is increasingly hostile towards God. Now, another reason that we don't do Santa is that even though Santa Claus is harmless fun, and and I want to be very clear about that, you know, Santa isn't this malevolent thing where if we teach our kids Santa Claus, we're going to break them. But when we teach Santa Claus and kind of the whole concept of the naughty list and things like that, we are still teaching them a worldview. And again, as I've discussed on this podcast many times, Our worldview matters because it is what we filter everything through. It is what dictates how we live our lives. And so, you know, you think about Santa Claus as a parent. We say things like, you know, you'd better be nice or Santa's going to give you coal this year. And the closer we get to December and the closer we get towards the actual Christmas time, the more kids are listening to that, the more concerned they are with their good behavior. And, you know, as parents, that can be really relieving because, We want our kids to behave. We want them to act well. But the worldview we are teaching isn't do good because it's right, because it pleases God, because we want to to be good stewards of the life God's given us, and we want to be more like God and less like the world. Instead, what we teach them is behave so that you can get stuff. Your behavior is rewarded by Santa. And so what we tell kids is you should act good based on self-interest. You know, effectively what we're saying is do good so that you can be greedy. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what things like Santa Claus teach us. And if you look at a lot of what we as believers today think about God, we still act that way. I mean, the most shining example of it is the prosperity gospel, right? If you give money to ministries, if you do this or don't do that, then God's going to reward you. And, you know, this kind of thinking infests even the most conservative of churches. We have this idea that if we do right, God's going to reward us. If we do wrong, God's going to punish us. We have this Santa Claus-like belief that is seen in really every religion out there, because every religion outside of Christianity says you have to do good to receive good things. If you do bad, you're going to receive bad things. You know, Islam itself is basically built on the idea of a balancing scale. You know, when you die and you go to heaven, God's going to sit there. He's going to take all your good deeds. He's going to take all your bad deeds. He's going to put them on a set of balancing scales. And you have to hope that your good deeds are at least one microgram heavier than your bad deeds so that you can go to heaven. You know, that is an entire worldview system 
that has basically infested itself in the world itself, but also in Christianity. You know, we see God as not someone we want to do good for because we love him. We want to do good because either we want to be rewarded or we want to avoid something negative, some kind of punishment or not getting some kind of blessing because of our bad behavior. And so as kids are growing up in the world, if we are teaching them about Santa Claus, what we are really teaching them is you only get gifts if you are a good person. But as Christians, we know that's wrong because we have received the greatest gift imaginable. We have received forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have had our relationship restored with God. And yet it has absolutely nothing to do with what we've done, right? It is not based on our works that we are forgiven or that we are judged righteous. It is purely through the work of Jesus Christ, his perfection, and the wrath of God that he took on himself at the cross so that he could apply that perfection and that righteousness to us. It is by nothing that we have done that we have deserved this this goodness and this favor and this unbelievable mercy to not get what we deserve. And so the very concept, the very worldview of Santa Claus, of do good and you get good things, do bad and you get coal, it's completely opposite of the grace and mercy of God that we see in the Bible. And that is what we want to teach our kids. And so, again, of course, no parent's going to say, oh, well, you know, you need to believe that you only get good things because you're a good person. We always have to ask ourselves, what am I teaching my child with this tradition or with this belief that I'm teaching them? You know, because while it may not seem destructive or dangerous or problematic now, we have to say, What kind of adult is this creating? What am I teaching them about the world? And again, for my wife and I, we don't want to teach our kids that the good things they get are based on their behavior or the punishments they get are based on their behavior. You know, yes, we we teach them about punishment and discipline because we want to teach them about the effects of sin, but we're not going to say that you only get good things if you're a good person because we're going to love our kids no matter what. We're going to give them as much love and grace and favor as we can while still loving them and teaching them good things. You know, we're never going to base our love for them or our giving of good things to them based on, you know, if one child is better than the other, they're going to get more. Uh, Now, reason number three also goes with another episode I've released about why my family doesn't make promises. And another reason that we don't do Santa Claus is because By telling my kids that Santa Claus is real, when I know full well that he's not, that compromises the integrity and the value of my word to them. As their dad, my greatest desire for my kids is that they grow up and they will love and they will pursue truth. That they will want to believe things because they are obviously and clearly true, not because they were told to believe them, not because they want to believe them. I want them to believe the truth because that's the only thing worth believing in. And that's the only thing worth modeling their lives after. Now, obviously I want to teach them to find truth for themselves and to value it and to hold on to it. But until they are mature enough and practiced enough in wisdom to do that themselves, I, as their father, want to act as their safety net. I want to be the one who is there to protect them from things that may seem good but aren't, And I also want to guide them into things that are good, even if at the time they may not understand it. And so for me as their dad to tell them, Santa Claus is real. You need to believe it. Believe it because I'm trust because I'm saying it and I want you to trust me. But for me, then when they turn 
I don't know, six, seven, eight years old for me to send up for me to say to them, okay, now it's time to grow up. Now it's time to stop believing that thing I told you. That's a betrayal of the trust that they have placed in me literally all their lives. From the moment they could understand the concept of Santa Claus, if I am telling them that it's true, and then I'm telling them, oh no, by the way, it's not. All that trust they placed in me, everything they thought about the world, all the behaviors they did, everything they thought when they opened up gifts, was a complete lie. And it's a lie that they believed purely because they trusted dad. Now, of course, don't get me wrong. I lie to my kids all the time. You know, I'll steal noses. Uh, our, our family has a funny story about this one time where I convinced my son that his head had turned into a T-Rex head. And, you know, we'll, we'll still tease him about that, I think, even when he's 30. But, you know, my kids know that I will not always tell them the truth. And, and there's even parenting times where I won't. You know, I will very often challenge their beliefs about something. If I ask them a question about God or the Bible and they just give me a generic Sunday school answer— I'll challenge them on it. I will, I will make them question or doubt the thing they've said because, again, I don't want my kids to just know what to believe. I want them to know why they believe it. I don't want them to say all these Bible facts if it's not coming from their heart, if they're just saying it because that's what they've always heard. And so, you know, as their dad, they know that everything I say can't just be taken at face value, but they will always know why I may not tell them the truth about something, whether I'm being just goofy with them or whether I am saying something contradictory to what they believe because I want to challenge them. But for me to tell them that Santa Claus is real, it's not challenging them to think critically. It's not me kind of being goofy with them for a few minutes until I reveal that, oh, I was just joking. You know, it's, it's a life that I have let them live thinking that what I'm saying is true. And so, you know, as I've said, I don't want them to just believe what I say or don't say simply because I say it. I don't want them to have blind faith in the things that I say. I want them to be able to test truth. I want them to logically come to conclusions and say why something does or doesn't make sense based on you know, what they believe about the world or you know, in terms of theological beliefs, you know, what they know about the Bible and things like that. You know, I don't want them to just hear what I say and blindly accept it without assessing it for themselves. But I do want them to trust that if Dad is saying something is real— or if dad is saying something is false, they can, at least temporarily, for that moment, believe it because they have learned that dad will never deceive them. Dad would never steer them the wrong way. That when it comes to things that matter, if they aren't sure of how to think about something or what something means, that they can come to me and they can rely on what I say, even though I'm fallible, even though I could be wrong, they can at least say, you know, I don't have the mental capacity to understand this myself. I don't understand the Bible well enough. You know, there's a million reasons why there's a truth about the world that my kids aren't ready to think through for themselves. And I want them to know that if dad is saying it, they can trust it, at least for now, at least until they can do the work themselves to come to their own conclusion. And I can work alongside them even and help them come to their own conclusions so that they will know truth for themselves. But if they grow up in a world where every year dad is telling them this, this truth about this being, about what he does, about why they receive gifts, only for that to be completely blown apart, what else could dad lie to us about? What else is he waiting for us to be mature enough to understand or to realize isn't worth believing anymore? You know, because a four-year-old would have no concept that Santa Claus is only worth believing for a few more years, 
Likewise, I don't want my 10 year old or my 12 year old or when they get older, I don't want them to think, okay, when is it going to be time for me to stop believing something else that dad has said to me, whether it's about God, whether it's about the importance of purity, whether it's about why truth is real or whether, you know, we even love them. I mean, at a certain point, they need to trust that whatever dad tells us, he at the very least believes that it's true. You know, they may grow up, they may disagree with me on things about politics, about science, about whatever, but at least for now, they know that if I'm telling it to them, they can trust it and they can believe it because I would never do anything to compromise my word to them. And then finally, we'll just cap it off with the fact that by inserting Santa into Christmas, it detracts from what Christmas is typically about. Now... When it comes to, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season, Santa isn't the only thing that detracts from that. The whole idea of us receiving gifts and cards and decorating our houses, let's be honest, it has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. We can make excuses. We can say, well, it's like giving birthday gifts to Jesus, but we give it to each other. You know, I've heard that one. It can be like, you know, we decorate our houses because it's like, because we do it in celebration of the birth of Christ. Let's just be honest and say that, no, we don't do it like that. We decorate our houses. We love the Christmas lights. We do the gift thing. We do certain meals. We do all of it because that's just tradition. It's it's what we do. It's what our country does, and it's what people around the world do. And that's fine. You know, we as believers, though, we get an extra special part in that this is also the time of the year that's been set apart for us to remember the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, whether he was actually born in December is, you know, a matter of historical debate. And it really doesn't matter because it's it's that token time where we say, hey, this is when we're going to remember that the the holy God of the universe, the one who created us and sustains us and holds everything together by the word of his power. He chose to take on human flesh to live amongst us and not to live as a king or as a celebrity. He lived as a lowly carpenter, someone who was really not worth looking at, as, you know, Isaiah tells us, there was so much about Christ's life on earth that was basically one humiliation after another. I mean, this is the God of the universe who was doubted by those closest to him, betrayed by people he chose for 30 pieces of silver, you know, just really a a slave's purchase price is what was paid for someone to give up the God of the universe to be sacrificed. You know, all these human beings, they, they, lied about him, they beat him, they mocked him, and they, they hung him on a cross. And Christmas time is when we remember that, you know, all of this started with this little baby in a manger, with God breaking through the world and coming to do what he'd always been planning throughout all of history, you know, because all the Old Testament points to the coming of Christ and his being the final sacrifice for sins so that we as his people could be made right with God forever. And that we wouldn't have to earn salvation by our works, by regular sacrifices of lambs and things like that. You know, so as Christians, we remember that about Christmas, but we also give gifts. You know, and, and, you know, my family does it. I mean, as I record this, I've got a Christmas tree with presents sitting a few feet away from me right now. But the problem with Santa Claus is that when we assign a face to something— we as, as human beings, and especially in our celebrity culture, we focus on that person for an event. We make them kind of the hero 
of the holiday. And so, you know, when there's Santa Claus and Jesus Christ, they're kind of butting heads. They're, they're fighting for our affections or the affections of our kids. You know, they see the gifts and they see Santa and they, that's, that's everything that Christmas is about. But then also there's this Jesus thing. But when we remove Santa from the equation, then we can turn Christmas into really just two separate holidays. We have the person that we focus on in Jesus Christ, but we also take part in just a fun tradition where once a year we give gifts to each other. We maybe do some family traditions and things like that. And so, you know, for for my own family, you know, we just completely separate the whole idea of gift giving from Jesus Christ. We don't try to rationalize them. We don't try to make excuses to make it gel with our Christian worldview. We remember Christ. You know, this year we are doing 25 days of looking at how Christ fulfilled things in the Old Testament. And if you want to join us in that, that is actually on my blog right now. It's You can just check in every day. But, you know, we, we still do the presents, but we just don't try to make Christmas work with remembering the birth of our Savior. And again, Santa Claus just for us just adds kind of an extra hiccup, an extra hurdle that our kids need to go over because, you know, right now they already struggle with being excited for Christmas because they get stuff because it it feeds their greed. And, you know, that is a decision and a compromise that my wife have chosen to make, you know, and we we're honest with them. We talk to them about it. We check their greed and we've I've even called them out on it several years when they become overly focused on the good gifts that they're receiving. And now I see, you know, in my 10 and my 12-year-old, they're excited about the gifts, but it's not all there is. That's not the big focus. They're excited to get stuff, but they know that it's coming, but that there's more to this time than just what they get about, you know, their, their greedy hearts being filled. And so, you know, there's some parents who they won't do gifts at all because they, if they're going to focus on the birth of Christ, that's all they want their kids' attention to be focused on. And that's great. You know, that's a, a decision that parents have to make for the good of their children and the good of their family. Some parents go all in with Santa and Jesus, and that's fine. That's a decision that you have to make for your family. But for us, we, as parents who are trying to raise kids who will grow up not just going along with the world's traditions, not growing up and learning that mom and dad have lied to them. You know, as we're trying to be mindful of our traditions, this is where we've settled on. You know, we don't do Santa Claus. We don't do the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy or things like that. We enjoy holidays and traditions, but we don't make it supernatural. We don't compromise our word to them. We don't make them question the truth of the world they've grown up in. We have fun, we have traditions, but we keep it grounded in always remembering that we want our kids to believe God's real because it makes sense. We want our kids to always know that they can trust us no matter what, even with something as minor as whether or not Santa Claus is real. And we just want them to trust that truth is always our highest goal with them. That if we are telling them that God is real, that we have a very good reason for believing that. That we're not fleecing them, we are not lying to them or betraying the trust and faith that they put in us, we want them to know that even if they grow up and even if they can't fathom why we believe God is real, they will at least know that mom and dad didn't tell it to them because mom and dad were blind or foolish or silly, but because we value truth so much and the reality of God, the truth of our sin and our need for Jesus Christ, 
is the only thing that could possibly make sense to us. And that is why we taught them what we taught them all their lives. So if you've made it to the end of this, if you are a parent who did Santa and now you're questioning it, you know, talk to your you know spouse if you have one, talk to your kids and just make truth your highest priority. If you're listening to this and you're still doing Santa and you think that I am crazy, that's totally fine. Because again, I am never going to doubt a family's love for God based on whether or not they do Santa. I think there are so many more important things to worry about when it comes to glorifying God with how we parent our kids than whether we go with part or all of a culture's tradition when it comes to something like a gift-giving holiday. You know, but the overall goal of this episode was really just to get parents to think, to kind of talk about why we do what we do, and show that, you know, as parents, overall, our highest goal, our highest priority, our greatest desire for our kids is to grow them into good adults who are equipped and capable of loving God and serving Jesus Christ with all their hearts and with every aspect of their lives. And as parents, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make good decisions. You know, but always we want to just bring glory to God with everything that we're doing. If that means Santa Claus, then do Santa Claus to the glory of God. If it means don't do Santa Claus, then don't do Santa Claus to the glory of God. Because you can avoid Santa Claus and still not glorify God with it because you want to buck tradition because you have a kind of legalistic idea that, oh, if I don't do Santa Claus, God's going to love me more. God's going to reward me or God won't punish me if I don't do Santa, which, again, goes back to the issue of seeing God's favor for us based on this kind of balancing scale. So, again, as we're all looking forward to remembering and celebrating the wonderful moment where Christ was born in a manger and prepared for a life of humiliation and suffering only to be cruelly placed on a cross and taking the wrath of God for everything that we've committed so that God had no more punishment left for us. Let's just make sure whatever we do, whatever choices we make, whatever discussions we have with our kids or with our friends at church or our family, let's just always make sure that we are doing nothing more and nothing less than always looking to glorify God. Mm -hmm.